Yeah, Agony on. It's oh, wait, wait. Sorry, stop. Yeah, you can start now if you want. Like, I'll, I'll just sort of... I'll, I record... The thing is, the audio is allowed to be super long. Yeah. As long as I've got, like, video that covers it mostly. You know what stage start. my head's at? You said long and I'm laughing. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to be a long day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Too bad it's not going to be a long night, Oh, if only, if only travel. You know what we didn't do as well before, which is really helpful. No one of these. Yeah, yeah the, the to get the your audio to sync, sync it up. Yeah, because yeah. I, I had to use Aaron's voice beats to, yeah, to yeah. do it. <laughs> not, not as easy. Yeah. Oh, you, you know haven't what? shared the even... link or anything with this of this to me before. I know, I know. Am it's I not I'm... in your exclusive room? No, it's not that. It's just that everybody else is sort of like, "Are we recording it. this?" Then I'm like, uh, we "You can, know what? We can if you want different. to, if it's a good episode and it works out well, yeah, feel free to do what you want with it. I trust you." Okay. Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, feel free. I, I would not you. do it. Yeah, I will. I will. For, I will edit it. Then I'll send it to you, and for then proofing. you can see it if you like it. For proof. You're the um, yeah. test audience. Yeah. Oh, my, um, yeah, <laughs> my yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should also warn you, my voice does not record well. In no, 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 it's fine. Don't Do worry. you know who you're talking to? Yeah, trust <laughs> me. Trust me. We're gonna like you. You'll notice. You've probably got the best voice out of everyone. Yeah, I've everyone here. Trust Lock. me. Podcast yeah. so far. It's because it's slightly husky. <laughs> yeah. From allergies. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Mm. Apparently, husky voices are really attractive. I don't oh, know you if you've ever had that. I've, so I've had it when I get cold yeah. I'm like oh I sound so like, good like, like a bit of a growl well really. yeah and it's slightly deeper and you're like oh yeah. no me <laughs> I see I understand that I, see, <laughs> I understand that from like a female perspective like lower baritones are like no but more... even the female voice that goes lower yeah. is so sexy that's, yeah so that's what I'm saying like yeah. some of my friends like they'll be like oh she smokes she sounds like she smoked like three packs a day that's so attractive and I'm like <laughs> Wait, is it like a... What? No, but it is lovely, like, yeah. I think. Because it adds just a little... Personality, I think. It's just a bit of character. Yeah. yeah. It's like there's like the Matthew McConaughey... Yeah. Draw, you know, oh, my God. Oh, I could listen to him talk all draw. day. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you seen that he's put out a new autobiography? No. Yeah, but it's really good. And he's, the audiobook is him narrating, oh. him narrating his own. So I'm going to do on my lonely days. All <laughs> my days. So like half of my mates have, have uh, listened to it or read the book, but it's a lot of it is like sort of really frank. Um, he's he's quite a spiritual person. Yeah. But he talks about how he became that sort of person, whereas what he's talking about his younger years, for example. Like, he was told straight off the bat that he was, like, really attractive. And he was like, oh, I had to, like... Um, like, a lot of people in their autobiographies will be, like, they had it hard or, like, um, their upbringing was difficult and then they overcame a lot of struggle and strife to get to where they are. Whereas he's, like, straight up, I was the complete opposite. I had it pretty easy. Like, I won, I won Homecoming King at school and then in my first ever film or, like, first ever appearance in a movie um he wrote hit like the director was like just make something up um just drive up to these two girls and just make something up and then fill like 20 seconds you're just a filler um and in that shot is he he drives up and he that's where he says his catchphrase which is like all right all right all right Mm. and that has stuck with him his entire entire life wow like imagine like the first film you ever do that's that's what like but what amazes me is he didn't yeah. get the like crazy recognition 
uh, till Dallas Buyers Club. Club. Yeah. Like he talks know. about that too. So what he says is he got very much typecast yeah. because he became the rom com hero. The rom com hero. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, have you watched How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days? Yeah, yeah, I have. That's a classic, isn't it? Oh my god. That's I very love, much a classic. Matthew yeah. Yeah. He's so beautiful. Anyway. I think he kind of epitomizes that entire like era and genre. Yeah. That there was like that ten year period. Yeah. Where that was the archetype for the the male leader. No, all American but slightly vulnerable. Yeah. 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 In rom coms. But then because of that, he felt like he wasn't getting serious roles. Yeah. Fair. Um and then he fell out of the limelight because he started rejecting those sort of roles he was like every every director was calling up like do another lead do another lead and he was like nope not doing it not doing it so he didn't have that a serious film that takes balls to do yeah it's not easy until I think was it Dallas Buyers Club or it probably was like there was one other film on, in Wall Street where, yeah Wolf that's Street, it Wolf of Wall Street very, yeah. yeah very um, very punchy yeah like a very different character to what he usually plays but um yeah, Dallas Buyers Club. Oh my god, what a movie! I, you know what? I haven't watched it. So okay, I have to. I have it's to on Prime. It yeah. I watched it the other. I watched it like. I also haven't yet watched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I haven't, oh I haven't seen that either. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of like um, Oscar bait films and like big actor films where I just put it off for ages. Because I'm like, it needs my attention. Yeah. 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 But also, like, I want to watch Brad Pitt and like have my soul focus right. on him. I think the guys go to watch Margot Robbie. To be fair. Oh, she's in it. Isn't yeah, my I started Tarzan yesterday. She was in that. I was like, oh, I didn't expect this. The live action, like, not live action, but it was like The Legend of Tarzan with Samuel L. Jackson, Margot Robbie, like all kinds when of things. When did that come out? I don't know. It was on Prime, though. I started what? it. Is it, is it like an old film? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's fairly new. Um, no. And it's like, it's Tarzan after he's returned to England from the jungle and like oh, deals with. Oh, I have with... seen a bit of that. That was on TV. Is that like the sequel? I don't know. I don't even think it's a Disney film because yeah, it would have been on Disney I've Plus otherwise. That. But um, but it was like, like I've only watched about half of it, and but it's like yeah. dealing with um, colonial issues in the Congo because the Congo oh, wow. was like split out between so many European countries. countries yeah. And it's about like how, I mean, it's obviously fictional because Tarzan isn't a real character, like yeah. or like John Clayton III isn't a real character, but it does look at like enslavement of African tribes in the Congo to build out like the Belgian colonies. It's fascinating. Like it is still very much around Tarzan, but the power, like the context yeah. is just like, oh my God, that's explains Damn. a lot. Yeah. That must have really fallen under the radar because I never heard anything about 2016. it. 2016. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't, why that would have been like peak for uh, I remember we did watch it because my dad wanted to watch a Tarzan movie and yeah. it's definitely not a Tarzan movie in the sense that it's not like swinging through jungle, no jungle occasion, there's like occasional there are some cuts yeah, where yeah, you yeah. see it and there's yeah. some cuts where you see him with his like dreads and mm. swinging on vines and it's like yeah is it like a is it an adult film would you say it's an adult film I wouldn't say so because you don't see any nudity and you don't see them like you see them I don't, know, I don't think it's uh, marketed towards like kids in the same sense as like the animated Tarzan. Yeah, I would say no. Yeah, it's more of like a young adult and up maybe, but like it is. It's not like a children's film. Right. I would say it's a bit like Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Some mm. of the later Fantastic Beasts films yeah. in that that is clearly not a Harry Potter film. Right. Yeah. 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 So. And they're trying to make it more about more noir and more. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
more serious and more like um, is what I would bringing say. up issues and topics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it's on Prime at the moment, and I'm going to yeah. finish it probably today. Mm. So. Prime? I'm not going to lie. I sh- I feel like I'm I'm doing a sponsored ad for them. <laughs> but like, this podcast is sponsored by Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, I you from our sponsor, Jeff. Would you like to? <laughs> but yeah. And our former sponsor, Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish they'd pay me for saying this, but they do generally have a lot of good films on there. Just yesterday, I watched yeah. uh, Lego Movie Two when I was on Prime. Yeah. Have you watched the first one? Are yeah. we recording? Yeah. Oh no! I realised yeah, the whole time. You're doing fantastic. Yeah. No, I've been playing with my hair the whole time. No, it's fine. We're not filming. Okay, cool. Like, We're not filming. No, we can Hello, cut. fans. We can cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are we not going to film today? Oh, these, these are rolling. This one is not definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, that wouldn't be. Is this one rolling? Hold on. Is it on? I can't tell if it's on. It's on. Is it's it on? recording also. Okay. That one stopped recording a while ago then. Is it? That's it. why I didn't think we were recording. Well, that means that you're not on. You were fine. On the, Sorry. It's fine. We can cool. chop and change and whatnot. Fix it in post. Fix it in post. Yeah, fix it in post indeed. But we'll yeah. do a, a, a CGI show and Thanks. We'll get Aaron in with the dots in his face. Oh, God. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I was thinking. Like, Arc.io. This podcast is sponsored by, by Arc.io. Arc.io. <laughs> One day it will happen. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Meet your fitness needs today. For sure. Sorry, you know what I was thinking was lacking in people's lives? Is there like a fitness sort of app? Yeah. Yeah, I wish someone their... would tell me how my posture was yeah. when I was like. I wish posture. someone would tell me what workouts to do. You know? Well, it's a good thing you asked because we're just one day only we're sponsored by Arc.io. If you use promo code Surya, you get 90% off. Oh. <laughs> It'll be like promo code 500 Oh, God. <laughs> the first 1,000 listeners can use that code. Or promo code Sideman. And then yeah. you have your own. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. That, oh, my days. That'll be good, yeah. Why is this podcast not called Barry and the Sideman? Because, well, it's not mine. Yeah, so. I'm just, I'm just studio. Maybe it should be Sideman and Barry. I feel like, I feel like if yeah. I, I reverse Let's the Sideman. Let's go back. Yeah. The thing is, you are definitely the most common guest. Yeah, because I uh, because you live here. I'm studio. Yeah, because he comes and visits only here. Hey, it's lit! Oh my god! Okay, if we're gonna have this, right? Let's have this chat today. Let's let's have why it. Why is Surya? Let's have it. Always here. Always busy. Okay. Always the reason busy. why I'm always busy. Um, this is not a good excuse, but so what I do is before it used to be like I'd come to London and then figure out what happens, but then it ended up being like I because we're coming out of lockdown yeah. and people are like trying to meet up with people as much as possible because a lot of people haven't met in like two years so I've become booked so what you're saying is Sarah's he's got so many friends no Sarah's <laughs> just saying how much of a beanock he is yeah. Yeah, there's a big queue yeah it's like get in my shared calendar <laughs> no, if you didn't get a ticket stub yeah. then you're not in the queue and... where is your QR code <laughs> yeah I've become <laughs> See, Why do you is, not have a test of race QR code? The further yeah. I go, they should have one here actually. Because yeah. if this is a studio, yeah. Yeah. the further I go with this, the the worse it's gonna sound. But um, as a <laughs> as, as a as a result of therapy, I realised that I don't carve out enough time for myself. Also. Oh, this yeah. is a good topic. Yeah, I think so important. If you're if you're up, no, 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 let's go. It, I think let's go. Yeah, this is a great topic. Yeah. So okay, so what have you like? tangibly mm. what do you think has been the best three things to come out of therapy for you um so 
before I went to therapy, I had a lot of negative uh, thought processes. So like I would criticize myself and I would give it a voice and I'd give it like importance. And the first thing that we worked on was becoming more mentally resilient. So it just means that whenever shit, whenever stuff goes down, whenever things go wrong, I'm not looking at it and being like, that's my fault. Or, mm. um, or even if it was my fault, it doesn't characterize me as a person, um, which is something I struggled with for a long time. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely the biggest thing that changed because right, I think that's the thing that forced me into therapy, to be honest, or, or sort of pushed me into it because... It was coming to a head, like when I was living at home, yeah. uh, stuck by myself. I wasn't getting distracted by anything. So the thing that would pop into my head is all these negative ideas that I'd built up over over a certain amount of time. And then um, from from that, we worked on positive behavioral patterns. So we talked about how there are three sort of emotional responses. Um, drive soothe and the third one is the bad one which is threat Mm. so you want to move from threat into drive or into soothe depending on what the situation is Um, and the thing i was struggling to do was understand that what i do from on a day in day out basis is what affects that so like for a whole year i wasn't like working out i wasn't eating right i wasn't sleeping properly and those three things in itself will just throw you off balance. Like it will make it difficult for you to go into a place of like soothe, which is like, you know, relaxing, recharging your batteries. You're not doing that. Or, and, and it goes the other way as well. Like you're, you're not able to motivate yourself to do something. Um, so figuring out that I need to work on my day-to-day habits, that's probably the second most important thing. Yeah. Um, Number three, uh, I think the third thing is this realization that therapy is not some sort of. First of all, it's not some sort of trick. Yeah. It's it's not like you'll go in and get hypnotized or like um, magically like your therapist will say like five words and it just changes your entire life. Yeah. But it's it's a process where you sit down and you talk yeah and you and you say all of the problems and things that you've been thinking which you probably haven't said out loud yeah to most people yeah and then she says well okay let's look at it from a logical perspective let's look at it from a compassionate perspective and then you're like actually all of those things that i was thinking i was i was like uh using it against myself for no reason yeah. or like it doesn't what I said doesn't actually make any legitimate sense. It's not based in truth. Yeah. Um, so understanding that therapy is just about how you approach your problems, look at yourself. It kind of, it just gives you the tools to be able to do it later by yourself. Yeah. And so... Amen. It, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, just therapy was fantastic. I think it's the biggest, it's the best investment that I've ever made in myself. Definitely of the whole like last two years, uh, maybe even before that. No, yeah. um, I think, I mean, I think that resonates so much because I think 
from a slightly different lens. Um, and and I'm, sure, I'm sure it's the case with you as well, but I probably the first person in my family to have actively gone to yeah. seek counseling or therapy and doing it while at university and like being feeling like it was I was one of very few people for me it, first of all the questioning part that you talked about and mm. the cons that was even the process of going to get therapy was yeah. wrought with like should I be doing this yeah. you know and I think what you said about it giving the tools it's never that you can't it's not that anything a therapist says to you, you're, you're right, is a silver bullet ever. Mm, mm. And it's not that you don't know it somewhere. Yeah. It's that it's having a space to externalize all of that yeah. with somebody who is not emotionally involved with you. Yeah. And so that you don't feel like you have to have all of those very difficult conversations in your own head mm. and with yourself. Yeah. Like I, the reason, you know, my, oftentimes in my family or in my friends, I've had questions like, oh, but why didn't you feel like you could talk to me about this? why do you have to go tell somebody on the outside like this is a very common theme i find in like so many asian settings mm. is one of the biggest issues my parents had with me going through therapy was like why are you taking yeah. the family problems outside? outside and it's not that it's that i takes a lot for you to internally reason through all of that mm. but also we have grown up i think with a sense of accepting responsibility for lots of people's feelings yeah and you grow up saying okay but i'm responsible for how that person felt mm. so i don't want to burden them with something mm. but that means i have to reason through it myself etc yeah. etc et and for, for me the like one thing i would add is an understanding of choice mm. my understanding of choice is so much clearer mm. than before like before i would say like if i thought about a theme of all the times things weren't great i, I think guilt yeah was such a common emotion like just huge, the whole time huge and it would be about everything i said the exact same yeah. thing therapy yeah. i was like guilt is like my, is most... my main theme yeah. yeah i'm like i'm not saying it, it's not still mm. but it's guilt about how i make other people feel yeah like quote unquote yeah. or it's guilt about how i maybe had one bad week or bad day of like really bad eating or whatever and it's just the immediate reaction is guilt and mm. not processing that and moving on yeah. but the biggest for me is accepting guilt or accepting responsibility for how somebody else has chosen to react to something i did definitely and that like distinction of choice is very like it takes somebody else talking you through it i think because yeah. you won't come up with that yourself because you've been conditioned to not think that way yeah. right yeah and so i just for me like people in my like very inner circles continue to question therapy as a tool or continue mm. to question it's like what is the point of stuff that you could look up on the internet or that yeah. you can talk to or whatever yeah. and yes you can look all the stuff up on the internet you can look up cbt techniques on the internet but mm. having a human being there do it yeah who first of all you've paid for so there's a transact or like you know it's being paid for by somebody yeah. so there's yeah, a transaction yeah. there and there's a like the vibe of it being a professional setting mm. versus it being a friend yeah and you know they're trained to do that. So yeah. you're not worried yeah. about offloading yourself exactly. onto somebody else. I yeah. think it's like it's more than I can put into words, the value of that. But mm. I'm glad we've had this conversation because it's like there's still so much mm. to get over, I think, yeah. especially in a certain community and we just for need sure. to get past it. Um, yeah. But for those other South Asians out there, South Asian therapists for that you, you correct org. me. Yeah, South, South Asian, Asian therapists. Dot org. Dot org. Yeah. Go look 
it is fantastic. No white honestly. therapist named Tracy is going to quite understand yeah. your issues with communicating Literally. to your Asian parents. The amount of times I've actually recommended that website now, it's crazy. I've, yeah. se- I've sent it to so many people now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's a fantastic too. website. Yeah. And uh, going back to what you said about burden. Yeah, it's, it's it's incredibly true, and I think it's very much a South Asian problem. Yeah, and it's embedded yeah. across the cultures, like yeah. regardless of where you are from yeah. within South Asia, mm. um, it's embedded into our thought process to think we owe something to our parents. We yeah. owe some, which I'm not like I'm very grateful. Yeah. To my parents, it does not take away from the gratitude. Yeah, it does. But mm. it's it's that it's that I owe them something, mm. so I carry the burden of that guilt. So yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, because I've been meaning to have this conversation for a while. In fact, I mentioned to my therapist that I was starting a podcast and she was like, what's it going to be about? And I was like, I don't know yet. And she was like, do one on mental health. And I was like, yes, I will, definitely. But I think I just need to find the right person to do it with. So I'm glad you're here. Oh, thanks. Because um, that is, yeah, perfect. Yes. Perfect. But um, yeah, yeah, I think South Asian households have a lot, like, when it comes to burden i think about um how i felt before going into therapy and i thought i don't want to talk about stuff to my parents and like it's weird because my mum will always be like you can tell me anything yes but that's not how she behaves you know it's it's saying one thing and behaving another way like uh, i can tell from the way she talks about other people for example or the way she uh I don't know, uh, she tells my brother off for something or other. That signals to me that I can't say those things out yes. loud. And, it, and her saying, you can tell me anything, doesn't change, no. doesn't change my experience. And I think that's the other thing. I think it's, yeah. it's also taught me to recognise my parents as human beings yeah. who were parents for the first time yeah. and have obviously, like nobody can do that perfect. Mm. And within the systems that they were brought up in, yeah. they really tried to do the best job that they could. Definitely. And it's getting to a point of, like, I don't, I think we're quite lucky in that the level of, like, I know a lot of people who I think have, at the moment, quite a lot of anger that they feel towards their parents. And I think, you know, there's a lot there that has to be resolved. Yeah. But learning through that process to say, okay, I can forgive that person mm. because they didn't know what they were doing either yeah. yeah and they think they're doing the best thing for me mm. but maybe they're not doing the best thing for me i think it does two things i think one we i think have grown up accepting that the authority that our parents have in yeah, our lives is like without question yes. and we you know we put them on a pedestal and our culture teaches us to do that mm. also you know yeah. like within even at least for me like there are literally verses within texts that belong to my religion that will yeah. deify parents of course and i'm yeah. not saying that i am not grateful to them i am like they've given me everything in yeah. life yeah but it puts them in a position where you, in your head, feel like you can't question their mm. their decisions or mm. their choices or their attitudes or the way they decide to raise you. But that's yeah. not the case. Mm. They're still people with flaws. They still, you know, no one wrote a manual on parenting, especially not a manual on parenting South Asian kids that you've brought from their home countries into another country and tried to raise. So yeah. it's one way to like, I think, ease the tension that I have, started to build yeah now going through my early 20s yeah and i think it makes having somebody else to vent that frustration at Mm. stops me from venting it at my parents yeah which i think you know it's a much healthier way to do it than 
not be able to say the words that I want to say to them, but the anger comes across. Yes. You know? So. Like you said, in Tamil, I used to I used to go to the, like weekend classes yeah. to learn Tamil. And one of the first things we were taught was this saying, which is Mada Pida Guru Devan. Yeah, which means mother, father, teacher, then God. Yeah. So exactly what you said is deifying your parents. Yeah. And um, f- again, like most Asian kids don't question no. like their parents' authority or, or their parents' decision making. Yeah. And that made me feel like all of the things that I deemed to be their mistakes, their, their faults, I, I, I put so much anger towards that because I said, I didn't question this because I trusted you. Yeah. Um, therefore, you must be responsible for it. Yeah. And going to therapy helped me contextualize that. Yes, exactly. So much. Yeah. Um, a lot of it was like, you know, I, I would have this complaint about um, this argument that I had with my mum, like that week. Yeah. And then she'll say, well, like, think about it this way, where she's grown up, where she's come from, uh, what sort of experience did she have? Yeah. Um, and then that sort of made me think, well, of course she's going to think the way she thinks because that's what she's experienced, yeah. right? And that's what shaped her entire understanding of the world as well. Yeah. And okay, and the other thing is, I've also... And, First of all, same 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 verse in mm. Sanskrit. It's exactly what I was referring to. So that's yeah. super interesting. Um, yeah. And I'm I would probably guess that it exists in, in all of the regional variations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, For sure. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, I think you. I've heard this a lot growing up with both my parents, regardless of you know if they had had an angry reaction to something I did mm. or whatever. It would always be. And it's, I've even seen it in films. So, you know, let me take, for example, Kabi Kushi Kabi Gon, which yeah, probably a lot of these of listeners have probably watched the film. But um, the epic. Yeah. it's justifying anger yeah. as a form of love. Yeah. And justifying very intense communication yeah. as because I'm your well-wisher and because I love you. Yeah. It gives me a blank check to treat you in whatever way that I want. Yeah. And I think that's really dangerous because I think as soon as you say, oh, I only behaved that way because I care about you, yeah. that's when it starts to become great. And you don't question that growing up because you're like, of course they love me. Like, yeah. it's fine if yeah. they get really angry or like they lose exactly. control of their emotions. Yeah. But then I started to pick up those patterns. Yeah. Like, and I look at my closest relationships with friends and, and others yeah. and it's, I can yeah. see signs of that happening yeah. and through therapy I was able to say look like I think I have an unhealthy relationship with anger yes and I yeah. don't know how to process my anger because within my family setting mm. certain people who were like who were authority figures yeah had the license to be angry yeah but me as a recipient of that anger was not necessarily allowed to either a be angry about it yeah. or b express how I felt from about that it. anger yeah. yeah because there's a power dynamic there yeah Exactly. So now when I get angry, I find it very difficult to have a constructive, to healthy expression somewhere. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I will become passive aggressive, mm. as you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I will... But I mean, the other thing is, like, yeah. being passive aggressive is a milder form of it. There are other forms where... Like, oh, yeah. I, I sure. hate to admit it, but I have been like physically violent with yeah. my anger. You know, yeah. like I'll throw things or yeah. like shout a lot or whatever and yeah. I don't want those to be my default reactions yeah. because I've seen people process anger way more healthily than yeah. that you know because with with this 
very negative stuff comes a lot of emotional blackmail. It comes with all sorts of things which I've grown up feeling. Yeah. So it's what I resort to. Mm. But I think that's been another massive takeaway for me is like actually how has that behaviour projected onto me yeah. and what do I choose to take forward from my parents? And there's a lot there. Like they're very hospitable, hospitable people. They're yeah. very kind-hearted in a lot of ways. Mm. But what are those things that I can actively choose to not role model? Yeah, that's a very good conversation to have as well. I find which you can't have with yourself because yeah. how do you know objectively how to differentiate where they were right and where they were wrong? Mm. You know? So I find South Asian culture has a lot of virtuous aspects when it comes to treating people from outside your house. So yes, a, yeah. about the hospitable thing, but inside the house it's basically flipped upside down, where it's kind of like uh if you're an adult that's your domain yeah um and you know interestingly i think parallels can coexist as well within that like i i continue to say i'm both my parents to me still are my best friends you know and there are spaces that we have like when i took my year out of university Mm. i was actually physically unwell but it came with a lot of other mental health stuff that was going on in the background and my parents are very supportive of it and I had that space and my dad would come and like see me before exams and he's always been a confidant and it's it's the reason I found it so hard to digest their more angry reactions or their more authoritative reactions is because they also weirdly gave me that space of freedom and of being very liberal in certain things and Mm. being the people that I went to with my issues like I still call my parents so it's in your head just learning to separate those things and say just you know I know that they are not trying to put me through duress I know that because they provide a lot of space but Mm. that doesn't stop me from feeling a certain way because I'm you know my emotions will react a certain way yeah how can I process that and like to anyone that hasn't seen it and I don't know if you've seen it or not seen it one of the best films that has come out on this topic Mm. um from Bollywood recently well not recently it's been about five years Mm. Um, it's a film called Dear Zindagi oh yes Alia but so good yes okay first of all watch it for Shah Rukh Khan yeah. like there's no film not worth watching for, for Shah Rukh Khan, Khan yeah. but it was amazing yeah. and it touched on so many of the topics that we've discussed yeah. right now but I think it's a great one to sit and watch with parents yeah because sure. you're not the one expressing all this stuff yeah. yeah somebody's expressing it on screen and it's fine if they take their time to process that or if they don't process it at all but at least they've heard it in quite a non-threatening yeah scenario yeah i think it was a great film i think they did a great job um and if nothing watch it for shark yeah <laughs> i like think it's really interesting with how people reacted to that film because critics said it was good and then it didn't get a very good favorable sort of uh reception from the box office yeah. and i think a lot of that is to do with it, it being almost ahead of its time yeah. or maybe it it was uh not built for society at this present time where it was it was showing a lot of like you know there was that scene where alia is at the party and it gets more and more passive aggressive to the point where they end up like having a full full full-blown argument in front of guests and stuff and i can see how in the average like indian household for example that would just be like a what the hell yeah and that's the thing like these films i think come from they are, I think they are already shaped for quite a privileged audience. Yeah. So there is like a, everything comes with a caveat because yeah. I think people who understand that conversation or who have the privilege to 
be in a household where that conversation is even possible mm. is quite a small subset Very because much, yeah. the fact they were able to make a film like that and show a scene like that already suggests that that's a family where there's some level of communication happening right yeah. otherwise because you know you know enough about what happens with people who don't have that same level of privilege yeah they're just silent the whole time mm. they've just been conditioned to be silent the whole time like the fact that she's a, like successful filmmaker yeah. living on her Independent. own independently is already putting her in a very small subset of people exactly. an increasing subset of people yeah. but small nonetheless yeah. and i think you're right like i think it's a hard one to immediately scale to the masses because i think we're all at different stages of mm. and the other thing is i think we as a culture are very reluctant to question our culture yeah and I mean that we don't about like South change. Asia. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't think it's that different in yeah. Sri Lanka than India. Oh, so. in fact, in Sri Lanka is more so. To be fair, there's I understand why. Um, because of like civil war and stuff, there's been this huge uh, movement to try and preserve culture and yeah. preserve language, preserve all of that stuff. So as a result, family dynamics just falls under that whole bracket. And so we we do tend to do things the old-fashioned way no matter yeah. where we go yeah. in fact we try and take it and and then grow it elsewhere because yeah. we're like we need to find a sustainable place to build like rebuild this culture yeah um and you hold on to what the last memory of that culture was yes yeah 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 i've said this so many times like we go back to sri lanka every once in a while but the people that live there live a very different life to the one that my parents were used to yeah um so they have taken ideas from not from Sri Lanka now but from Sri Lanka 30 odd years ago 35 40 years ago yeah and so when they come back to Sri Lanka and see how much like Jaffna has changed or or Colombo has changed Colombo has changed so much it's become a very much like a metro- metropolitan city um so it's like a culture shock for them yeah. when they go home you know like yeah. they they find it crazy that people walk around in like um western clothing yeah in, in colombo yeah and they're like oh what's going like what is what's going on with yeah. my country like why yeah. have they done this yeah but that's just how people live now it's like western society has you know i feel like western society and eastern cultures have just because of how easy it is to travel now and, and all that and how easily like you it's, can get exposure to yeah. the other cultures yeah it's just going to continue through the mixing. internet for yeah. example exactly the internet yeah. is so huge yeah like you can go to sri lanka now and then like half of them are watching like all of the big shows like game of thrones yeah like uh and this is it it's exactly you you're so right because it's the same with so my some of the new films that are coming out of even regional cinema not just bollywood like bollywood's always been a bit like pushing the envelope and in some aspects like yes they still subscribe to a lot of models that make the business for them but there are some things that like bollywood has always slightly been ahead of the curve of in terms of showing on screen yeah compared to south indian regional cinema yes for example but today telugu cinema is also like taking a bet and pushing stuff and like arjun reddy was the original yeah arjun singh for yeah exactly but my parents when they watch that stuff they're like what is happening to my Gee, culture? Like, like yeah, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. this? You know, yeah. and and I'm and when I try to say, you know, what the young people of India today are living a very different life to what you think they, they are. are. Yeah. What happens is they find the one or two examples of the people who are not. Yeah. And then they become the ideal, exactly. quote unquote. Yeah. So it's like, oh, but don't don't base your role models on yeah. X, Y, Z because there are these yeah. people who are like the archetypal, you know, archetypical, whatever the word is. Yeah, um, yeah. Good south indian child exactly um so it's and and there's no attempt to question 
the structures that maybe have forced some of those people to be that way. Yeah. Like, this is very topical for all of us if we're talking about, you know, like matches and alliances at yes. this time. Yeah. Little experience of mine of yeah. late. Not fun, but I will talk about it if we have time. I don't know if we have time to talk. Oh, no, we can keep going. Okay, cool. So It's, it's all about you, to be honest, if oh, if you're fine. willing Thanks. to wait here. <laughs> yeah. So it's 3.40 now. Yeah. If you want to keep going until all the way through to 4.30, I'm good. Well, we'll we'll see where this conversation goes. Cool. But basically, like, I feel like... So I'm 25 in October. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I think all of us are a fairly similar age. Like, yeah. you've just turned 24, both of you, right? Yeah. So different for boys, as yes, usual. Um, but I went to India in November yeah. last year. So 2020. Yeah. Um, and stayed till February 2021. Yeah. And so last year was the first time I went after I graduated um, and had a job in hand. Mm-hmm. Previous time I was still doing my exams. Yeah. Between the two trips, the change in content of conversation that people had with me was like night and day. So going from November to February, I cannot count on my two hands the number of times somebody asked me, okay, you finished your university degree, you've got a job in hand, when are you getting married? Of course. And people started coming with matches. Yeah. And that I expected, because like it happens, right? But I'll tell you where I have a problem with it. And like, I have always been of the mindset that I don't see arranged marriage or love marriage, and I hate that we're still using these words, but yeah, neither yeah. of the, to me, both are equally valid. Mm. And, you know, people who, people think that I'm against arranged marriage because I advocate for people making a choice of yeah. their own. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, it's a perfectly yeah. valid system yeah. as long as people are not being forced into it. Yeah. And that's another misconception. Like, arranged marriages are not, forced, not forced marriages. marriages. Yeah. They're just people setting you up with yeah. each other. Yeah. But... As I've got older, and as this has actually become something I'm experiencing in 2021 yeah. versus what my cousins, etc., experienced, oh, I do think there's been a lot of shift in culture in just the last three years. Yeah. To like, but fine, like the amount of patriarchy that the system comes with yes. is shocking. Jeez. Like, and you don't think about it because you've seen it constantly represented in mass media, mm. where like you just see like you know matches on in, in like scenes or whatever and you see the lead characters getting together in in an arranged marriage setting or whatever and you're like oh yeah like it's such a normal part of life mm. but i was approached by two or three different matches right unquote this time yeah um all unsolicited all coming from friends of people of whatever yeah. like it is what it they is. never ask for no and <laughs> yeah. but it's what shocked me is yeah. and i don't know why i was shocked by this maybe i should have expected it it's oh, um, these people have approached us yeah. because you're this good Indian child who's grown up outside India, but no one can tell you've grown up outside of India. Yeah. And you would adjust, quote unquote, so well into the family. And you're you know, someone who is very affable and gets on with everybody and doesn't make too much trouble. And I was like, okay, let me take a step back. Yeah. What does that mean? One, it means you're trying to say that there is a ideal of somebody who has grown up outside India to yes. match to. Yeah. Second, you're saying the ideal is best when you can't tell that person has had an influence of growing yeah. up yeah. in another country. Yeah. Third, you are propagating the expectation of somebody to be soft spoken, yeah. non confrontational, yeah. non conflict like involving, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, willing to 
And like, what does fit in mean in a new family? It means that you're yeah. willing to look past any of the discomfort that you have ever yeah. to be liked. Yeah. And I already have an issue, and this is something that's come up with in therapy and you'll get it. I already have an issue with like people pleasing because yeah. it's been the theme of my life. Yeah. So obviously I come across as affable in those yeah. settings. That makes you perfect. But I'm not, yeah, that's what it is. It's yeah. a checklist of, yeah. um, are you a likable person? Mm. I.e., are you willing to put aside all of your own issues to be likable in a family setting? Yeah. And in my own family, the women that are like that versus the women who are very strong and are opinionated, the narrative that follows the two is so different. Mm. The former is, oh, they're such good girls. They've like settled settled so settled, well yeah. into family. And the others, it's like, oh, they're so like unnecessarily outspoken, yeah. unnecessarily causing conflict causing for problems, themselves. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're just putting them down for being women who are independent and strong enough to voice those yeah. opinions. Yeah. And to me, I was like, what does that mean? One, if I sub- and this is nothing against the boys who are, mm. you know, who are on the other side of this match. Like, I'm not trying to. I disagree. No, but but I, I do disagree. think there is an issue, and yeah. I think if you are willing yeah. to let your parents look for someone yeah. based on that checklist, yeah. to me that sig- as a girl, it signals, signals two things. One, you're not going to stand up for me when I need something. Exactly. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, you expect that I will check that checklist for the rest of my life. Mm. And if I don't check that checklist, it gives you a license to express disappointment in yeah. a setting which already has so much family involvement that me yeah. disappointing your family or you Huge. is a reflection on my family yeah. rather than just a reflection on myself. Of course. And yeah. it bothers me that we continue to have... I mean, I can, I can maybe even understand that it's still happening in India, mm. but it bothers me that the majority of these matches that I've had have come from boys who have been raised outside of India some yeah. of them not even born in India I was born in India I, yeah. I lived there till I was seven I've gone yeah. back every year so I, I have a lot of influence and partly probably the reason why people can't tell when I go back home that I'm from here but mm. if you're willing to subscribe to that the other thing is people see that as a success of your upbringing yeah people are like oh you know what he's such a good boy like yeah. he has told his parents that, that he's, he's happy for them to and yeah, I've yeah. been told off for that I've been told off it's like you know people have been taken as examples of yeah. Oh, like all, of, and, and this has come from both my parents. Like oh, all of my friends, their children have told their parents that their parents can be involved in that process. Yeah. We don't know what we did wrong. Mm. That you aren't automatically fitting into that process, and it's like because I don't want to look ahead into my life and feel like I don't have a narrative in my own choices. Yeah. I know what I want out of my life. I have ambitions. My parents gave me the same stuff they gave my brother. I'm, I'm very lucky to come from a household where like, it's very gender equitable yeah. within the household. Yeah. And if you are coming with this checklist to me, and if my parents are actively interested in endorsing me by that checklist, mm. and they expect me to match that, despite knowing that that's not me all the time. Like, they know the full side to me to an extent. Like, they still yeah. don't know everything, but they know but a lot more because I'm fairly yeah. open with them. Yeah. That means I have to like edit myself for the rest of my life. Yeah. And the boy not saying anything to that point leaves me alone in yeah. that scenario. Yeah. And I'm not willing to walk into a situation at this age where suddenly five years down the line or like two years down the line, person. someone's like, oh, but you should take a break from your career and have children. That's, yeah. And if I say, oh, but that's, that's never part of my plan. Mm. And I've discussed it with your son ahead of time. Yeah. I don't have faith because I've seen it enough times that, that that person's going to be like, yeah, I stand up for her right now. Yeah. Because it, if you've already conformed, then you're how just can I trust that you're not going to conform further? Yeah. Like, it's very scary to hear the way that I'm being, for want of a better word, marketed out 
in the wider marketplace that is the like South Indian Brahmin Marriage Alliances Forum, you know? And let's not even, well, maybe we can go into the whole like caste connotations of the whole thing, you know? Like, if we, yeah, if we, yeah, if we talk about caste, then we'll be here forever. I mean, like, look at this. So you are looking. Okay, still slightly better in this country. Mm. If you look at the States, yeah. and if you look at the South Indian communities in the States, yeah. and I'm sure elsewhere, but especially the South Indian communities in the yeah. States, economically, they've done so well. Yeah. Like, you look at even, like, Google and Microsoft today. like yeah. you know, Sundar Pichai. And Satya Nadella. Yeah. But within the microcosms of the South Indian people who live and work there, mm. the propagation of this model of arranged marriage yeah. is only getting stronger. It's yeah. not getting any less Weaker, strong. Yeah, sure. And it's nothing like Indian matchmaking. Because <laughs> in Indian matchmaking, it was, oh, they can move from anywhere and they can, you know, whatever, like, blah. They can, but they have to still be, you know, yeah. flexible. They did a lot of, like, airbrushing. On well, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, in my yeah. case, the f- you know, I am verbally, vocally against the fact that we continue to stick within cast ring fences when we look yeah. at these matches because to me it's, <laughs> from a very practical sense, yeah. you're also limiting your gene pool and making your chronic illnesses worse <laughs> over time. It's not just that far, it's like, I've, I have this complaint where it's like, I live in the UK which means I've already got such, like, if I if my parents are like, okay, you have to stick to a Tamil girl that has already cancelled out like 95% (laughs) of the women I know. Yeah. And then you want, on top of that, you're like, okay, but if she, she should be from this part of the country, which also generally means that they want you to be a certain caste anyway. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, certain villages, blah, 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 blah. Then I will literally be single for the rest of my life. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So in my, um, in, in my, so if I tell you a bit of the background, like I, I don't really like talking about details of caste because I feel like we should stop using them as identifiers, yes. but it is such yeah. a reality that like, I will explain to you what the maths looks like as like a market sizing problem. Let's go, okay? yeah. This so is what, a, this is a proper seven, like interview BCG BAME question where it's like, Yeah, it's like estimate the number of potential matches you have for yourself in this yeah. country. Oh yeah, fine, okay. 70 million people in the UK? Yeah. Okay, 50% of them are female. Unfortunately, I'm not in a situation where I can look at both ends of the gender spectrum, but we'll say, okay, counseling 50%. Fine, 30 million people. Let's assume 10% of those are within a reasonable bracket for me to like, you know, plus or minus five years. Age range, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's what, like 3.5 million people. Okay, now let's say (laughs) all South Asians, okay? That's like, okay, 10% of those people. Yeah. So 350,000 people already looking pretty bad (laughs) for me because that's like not even 1% of the population of the state I come from back home. Exactly. All right, so fine. And, And as a like other thing, I'm not, I have no issues with boys that have been born and raised in India. Yeah. But there are certain understanding related Cultural things that I don't really want to have to explain to somebody yeah, yeah, again yeah. having done the whole thing All of here. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fine, so 350,000 people. Now we'll break it down into just Telugu people. So let's oh. say 5%. And that's <laughs> 17,500 people. Yeah. It's probably an underestimate because there's a lot of IT industry in this country and there's probably yeah. a lot of us, but fine. 17,500 people. Now yeah. let's look at, okay, caste dynamic. What does the quote unquote brain drain mean? It means that because of caste-based reservation and also access to privilege and access to education, yeah. we'll assume that the majority of people who emigrate to the UK with advanced degrees, yeah. probably from upper caste. Right. Unfortunately, that is the way it is. And yeah. that is the way that like propagation goes. That's right. So fine, so let's say 75% of those people 
are eligible. So okay. I'm not going to do it. That's what, eight? 13. Something yeah, like that. 13. Let's say 13,000 yeah, people. Yeah. Um, sorry, guys. Sunday. Can't do mental health. <laughs> 13,000 people. Yeah. Now, let's say in that 13,000 people, I am a Telugu Vaidiki Elanardu Brahmin girl. Yeah. Right? Already within my home state in India. That's like four prefixes. Boys aren't getting married <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because there's not enough girls yeah. in that. Like, yeah. So let's say that's 1% yeah. of... One percent, because I'm going to say it's one percent of yeah. Telugu yeah. Brahmins, yeah, and then I'm going to say it's one percent of Vaidiki Telugu Brahmins. Right. So that's like 130 people. <laughs> okay. Is it 140 or 40? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So I'm saying, but it's yeah. Vaidiki Velanadu Brahmins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's call that 50 percent. I'm yeah. looking at a very, I think, an over-indexed overestimate of 70 boys. Yeah. <laughs> who are available? Yeah. Okay, and they could be spread anywhere in this country. Yeah. I'm fairly be. sure I probably know all 70 boys. <laughs> and I'm fairly or sure at least like I'm not into any of them. <laughs> not because they're yeah. not great boys, yeah. but because they probably, and almost definitely, and this is through my own experience, it's either already you're with somebody yeah. and have found who they want to be and are going through the same shit that yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they subscribe to this, mm. I'm a good Asian, South Asian, South Indian boy model and I'm going to like wait for my parents to get involved. So I'm not interested. So that leaves me with effectively zero people yeah. Yeah. so mathematically <laughs> mathematically it's impossible unless i look outside of yeah. the uk which i don't really want to right now yeah. because i don't want to have to go through another entire cultural yeah justification of who i am i'm completely behind you yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> completely um Damn. so yeah i mean realistically there's not many people there's yeah, a lot of prefixes to, to sort through yeah it happened to me i was at like a family um like a very tame, you know, you know the like yeah. South Asian family gatherings where you just sit and like eat out of section plates yeah. <laughs> for like four hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> so one of those, and this lady, both her sons went to Imperial actually. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came from Telugu Vaidiki Velanadu Brahmin community. Right. Has two sons of marriageable age. Yeah. Was heavily signalling for a yeah. very long time, and it was like, leave me alone, please. Yeah. She would like calm, like chat to my parents. Then one day suddenly she was like not so friendly, and we were like, right. oh, like has she found out about my life? Like, does yeah. she know about me? Yeah. <laughs> She's done a bit of scoping, or whatever. A bit no, of research, yeah. it's because and I don't know if you guys have the same. We have this concept called Gotra, which right, is like, quote, like the ancestral quote unquote family you're from. Yeah, and essentially you can't marry in the same Gotra. <laughs> so she found really? out. Really, I was from the same go- like my family, same Gotra. So she was like, your daughter's not like you know. Wow. We're not interested anymore because wow. <laughs> she's not. So actually, I should reduce that 70 number down because within the goat tour, there's only about four. Four, right? So really, it's only 75%. It's really only like, like what, 40, 54 40, people? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going well, <laughs> is yeah. the point. Um, but that's what it is. It's like, why should you, first of all, limit yourself to that group? Because you're. It, like inevitably only going to pass by us on yeah. by doing that yeah because you're joining up with another like person who yeah. has grown up with very similar conditioning and you probably will both end up passing that on to your children yeah but also like from a public health standpoint it's we as a com- like we as a group all south asians yeah we have a bad time with chronic illness yeah. <laughs> like whether it's diabetes Tell or blood pressure or whatever so the smaller you make the gene pool mm. the worse it is for that aspect of things yeah so you know you've gone to all this difficulty to find that needle in a haystack just just to create more problems for yeah. yourself and yeah. i think like 
as long as we continue to use caste as an identifier, mm. caste bias will not die out. Yeah. Like, why should I? And, and this is what I have not understood since, like, okay, since the entire Black Lives Matter movement like mm. kicked off last year yeah. again with George Floyd's death. Yeah. What I could not understand is why South Asian people could not see the parallels between that and caste. Yeah. Yeah. How is it any different? Yeah. I completely, I completely like, agree with you. You know, we talk about completely. segregation yeah. in America. Casteism is segregation. It is segregation. Yeah, 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 Why yeah. is it any different? Yeah. Why is it any different that today in Tirupati, which is the preeminent like religious center in for a lot of Hindus, which yeah. is like, it's a huge temple in South India. Yeah. They have a Vedic school where they teach the like scriptures. Mm. And in that Vedic school, until a very long time, it would only be Brahmin kids learning because learning the Vedas was a birthright of Brahmin, Brahmin kids yeah. for the longest time. Yeah. Now they teach them to other kids, but they have a section for the Brahmin kids yeah. and they have a section for yeah. the non-Brahmin kids. Mm. And it's like, what's the point of opening up that teaching if you're going to make that segregation? Separate. And they're like, oh, because the pronunciation will be different. It's like, well, just think about the bias that's coming with that. Yeah. Pronunciation is different, probably because over generations, those people have not had access to that system mm. where they've like where their parents and their grandparents have not ever been used to those letters yeah. and pronouncing those letters. Yeah. And you're saying you're going to propagate that by not giving them an opportunity mm. to hear those. Sentences. If anything, pronunciation is just going to be an identifier. Well, yeah. Because you, you'll have a conversation or, or, or like that you'll tell them to read the scriptures and you'll be able to tell immediately they're not Brahmin. So you're like, you've already, like you've you've kind of just, you just kind of like sewed it on their forehead or something. Yeah, but. and like the only way that's going to change is, and, and weirdly, we're fine with white people learning Vedas. Have you noticed that? Yeah. There's so many white scholars. Oh my, do you know what? So it's not even scholars. just that. It's like, I feel like it's some sort of idea that it's so novel. It's so interesting when white people like oh, do it. Oh, I know. So and like, And it's the fact that we let them validate our yeah. own stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, because white people are studying it, it that must actually have stuff great. like that's valuable. Yeah. Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. That's a hangover of colonialism if Definitely. there ever was one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like why is the preeminent bathing center today in the world Israel mm. <laughs> or like Germany? Yeah. And we're fine with that, but we're not gonna teach our own kids who yeah. want to learn, who have come to Vedic school. Yeah. You don't want to teach them yeah. in the same way. Mm. And it's like, as long as you use it as an identifier, you will always know the difference between... And why, why should I... And this is the thing. Like, why do you recognise as a minority in a Western country white privilege, mm. but you don't recognise caste privilege that you come with? Like, I have been born into this. Yeah. It was a complete accident of birth that gave me access. Fine, they have inbred considerably over the last few thousand years which means maybe i have access to certain characteristics through that like yeah. constant you know but but i don't have physical strength mm. and i will never have physical strength but because your system has told you that this is the top of the ladder yeah quote unquote it's yeah. fine to ignore those things i would like be selected out by natural selection if mm. it came to physical characteristics or like endurance or whatever because mm. i don't have it i simply don't have it that's not a characteristic that i have but we don't value that as a structure <clears throat> because that's something that's associated with costs that are to do with manual labor or yeah. work and suddenly it's like oh but they're so they're in a different place in the ladder to you yeah so why do we continue to identify with that and not see the parallels with like okay saviorism as well like before i say anything i'm acknowledged that i come with caste privilege yeah. like i know that i cannot talk 
from a position of privilege and mm. pretend to understand what actually caste oppression is. And I'm saying that up front. Like, it is no different to being a white person and being a white saviour and yeah. talking about, like, yeah. you know, black rights at yeah. all. But I am just flabbergasted that people, especially Bollywood celebrities, mm. will go and talk about Black Lives Matter. But yeah. they will continue to, like, have caste tropes yeah. in films. Yeah. We talk about fairness. Fairness is, like, a synonym for caste mm. in that country. Mm. Because, you know, if you are fair-skinned versus if you're dark-skinned, that comes with a lot of connotations ultimately to do with the caste that you're yes. from. Yeah. 100%. Why is it that we can't see that about ourselves? Bollywood is a huge sort of walking... Um, what's the word for it? Contradiction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just that. Nepotism. Yeah. Another problem. Um, blatant sexism. Yeah. Um, just yeah. And it's pseudo and the riddled. recent recent thing that annoys me the most pseudo feminism. Pseudo feminism. <laughs> I cannot understand how anybody in their right mind could claim Arjun Singh yeah. to be a feminist film. <laughs> I'm sorry, but just because there's one line where he's like, "Oh, why are you objectifying her?" Yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, that girl's mine." <laughs> yeah. He where is the feminism <laughs> in the film? I'm sorry, but she has no agency. She has no choice. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And what is pyar me like marna hota is like how can you justify hitting somebody and claim yeah. it to be a feminist film? Yeah. That does yeah, not make nerve. sense to me. The nerve. It's ridiculous. I just it made me laugh so much when I saw that. I was like, and it's upsetting because I think Shahid Kapoor is a great actor and yeah. he's so good. And I think you know there's recently been a lot of interviews of these people who have been doing like new cinema. Yeah. And. It's the fact that they shirk responsibility by saying, oh, but it's just a film. Yeah. And it's not our responsibility yeah. if society decides to, like, model that. But first of yeah. all, like, let's acknowledge that South Asia is very special for that in the sense that people really do take films to heart 100%. and, like, act 100%. them out. And, yeah. you know, we've seen that with, like, acid attacks, for yeah. example, across yeah. South Asia. You see it in film. You see it used as a comedy vehicle in yeah. films that people so will be like, much. oh, if you don't love me back, I'll throw acid on you. Ha, 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 yeah. ha. Yeah. And so that normalises it because it makes it funny. You can't claim to say a film is just a piece of art. Mm. And it has no impact on society when you are actively part of normalizing abuse or normalizing sexism through those films. Yeah, it's art if you show it and you highlight what that means. Mm. And I've seen that in like the independent cinema. Yeah, so you're showing abuse for what it is. Yeah, but laughing about it and making it a, like and if we come back to cast, you've seen Tamil cinema enough. Mm. How much is skin color used as a comedy trope? But, how yeah. much is like lack of education used as a comedy yeah. trope the one thing I will say is I think it's great that we see so much so many lead characters in Tamil cinema mm. where like the lungi for example yeah, 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 yeah. because that's a statement because yeah. for ages I always thought like the difference between a veshti and a lungi is just about formality and that people just wear like lungis in an informal setting and veshtis mm. in a formal setting because in my yeah. family that's what I've seen yeah I didn't realise it came with class connotations and that's yeah. part of my privilege because yeah. I've not had to see that. Mm. But it does. But the fact that at least like on some sense you're seeing that, you know, very Dravidian Tamil person come out on screen as a lead yeah. and it not only be a space for 
Brahmin filmmakers mm. or Brahmin leads or upper caste leads is a very good thing. That doesn't mean that we don't have caste issues because across South Indian cinema we choose yeah. our women. I was going to say it's very it's a very small step in a yeah, in a but it's a step, and like I'm yeah. happy to acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as long as we call Tamanna like milk beauty, <laughs> God, we don't get me started. Don't get me we started. We have so much talent in the yeah. south. Like, why yeah. are we? But yeah, I know we've gone a, like we've gone through quite a no. lot, but it's all interrelated, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. It is. Um, and as a woman in the system, it's just you see stuff that I don't think you realize. Yeah. You are seeing way more than your male counterparts, and that's not me trying to victimize myself. No, no, no. It's just You're the reality not... of my everyday yeah. now. Like, but, do you know what I was going to make that point about? Um... South Asian film industries, uh, where you said that you can't just say it's just an art form and, and that people have to make of it what they will. Um, there is such a huge problem with like heroism. Yes, and machismo as well. Industry. Yeah, machismo yeah. and heroism, where for I think 2000s to probably about 2018, I'd say, every film had a male lead and a female sort of like what's the word for it like damsel in distress damsel in distress and it that was the formula yeah and and, and what i find fascinating is if you look back to 1980 yeah. 19 no actually further yeah. you go back to the time of savitri yeah right yeah you go back to 1960s ish 1960 to 1980 was a great time for women in south indian cinema yeah because all the roles were meaty yeah. they all had a part in the story and there was no single hero worship that was going on like yeah. this level of hero worship which i, I feel like coincides with like the era of the Rajnis. Right. Or like the late era of, you know, Germany Ganesha and yes. etc. Yeah. Um, before that, it was not like this. Like yeah. there were films, there's a filmmaker um, who has made films in both Telugu um, and Tamil and even Hindi, a Hindi called um, K. Vishwanath. And it's yeah. all these like films about, you know, like cultural arts or like fine arts or whatever. And yeah. these are films where there was no one commercial hero yeah. but they did very well commercially at the box office mm. which means it's not like the audience isn't going to watch it yeah however over time yeah. and i think uh, like the 90s were a really dangerous time for this kind of film like and even if we think about something like i don't know what the i think it's called minnali in tamil yeah 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 minnali. um yeah. which is called Rehenai super popular film, yeah, yeah but fucking problematic yes if you think about it yeah, yeah, yeah. but we romanticized that about so you had both as you say the very heroistic like very you know we have it we have yeah. like all the big ticket stars and the entire yeah. film is about them yeah. and you'll like see the launch events of these films yeah. and they'll be talking 90% of the time they'll talk about hero yeah. and then they'll say and the heroine looked good in the film exactly and it's like yeah. but the heroine or like you know the actress did a great job, job yeah. acting in the film yeah. but no one acknowledges it she's yeah. just there for the glamour quotient yeah. not the case before and I think even now where you're seeing the change so much of that change again is pseudo-feminist some of it is real mm. some of it is not like yeah. we have films where they're trying to say oh like but the, and, and it'll be like oh and I was happy with this role because I had so much more to do in it mm. but ultimately you still have like a boy it's a different damsel in distress formula yeah like you've yeah, got yeah. women who are trying to be independent in films but it's not till the boy comes and says something on her behalf right that yeah. her voice is suddenly valid yeah yeah and so really not much has changed it's I think what's changed also is a lot of the, as you said, early 2000s to mid 
2010s films yeah. the formula was still boy and girl trying to get together parents don't agree yeah. then they resolve yeah. now because those cultures have moved forward yeah. them getting together is not the issue yeah there's an entire different story track that's happening in the background so suddenly the role of the girl has become even More. less meaningful right yeah because before at least they were part they were one half of the love story yes yeah Whereas now it's like, oh, she's there. Yeah. She is the love, like in the love story, yeah. but she's not a part of like, you know, for example, you take, um, I can't remember what it's called in Tamil, but there's a film called Druva in Telugu, which is like, it's a police film where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, find, find the name. I will for find it, but like, yeah. or like even like Tupaki, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, films yeah. like that, like they're great films to watch. Yes. Because the story is great. Yeah. But you can have female characters. Yeah in this because you have female characters in real life mm. working on stuff like that you just don't see it on screen and that's because people want you know Vijay to yeah. be the face of that film that's so, what it is yeah I was going to literally say I was like I feel like Vijay is such a good example of this between 2000 and 2015 he was going along with whatever uh, people wanted him to say at that time so there was this film called uh, Sivakasi where it was him and us in, mm. right? And again, like you said, there was a problem with them getting together, which was the whole plot line of the story. Um, but very early on, she's wearing like Western clothing and uh, she walks down the street, somebody touches her and then uh, Vijay beats up the guy who touches her. But then he also turns around and says, well, he wouldn't have touched you if you weren't wearing such revealing clothing. And he slaps her as well. Um, and then and that was normal of, at that time the thing is instead of saying what the hell she like, falls in love with she him she falls in love with yeah. him because he said that but like a week later she walks down with a sari and Vijay's like oh okay now you're like a really beautiful Sandra woman yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah 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 oh god and that has not by the way not changed yes if and you notice yeah perfectly as a point to to oppose that now he's doing more more like feminist films virtue signaling he's trying to rebrand himself like he made a film called Bigel where he's like the coach of a female soccer team which is kind of like Chuck Dear yeah 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 it's our version of Chuck Dear and uh, he's sort of he's trying to empower women but again it's only because he does the stuff because a girl gets acid and then he brings her out into the team or like it's never like them empowering themselves no they're never trying to make it which happens in real life but you refuse to show it in mass media so people don't see role models of that when they need to and like this whole there are some very refreshing films that have come recently so I'm very happy about those but like they're in the minority so we won't talk about them and you know I know them in Telugu I don't know them in other films so much in other uh, languages so much but if you look at even in today's films that come out and when the girl is a girlfriend of the hero versus they get married, yeah. you suddenly see she starts wearing different clothes. Of course. Her entire personality is Subtle, changed. isn't it? She's got her like sindor, she's yeah, got her like yeah, yeah. sari, she's yeah. there with her like and I'm not saying that's not beautiful, it's a great yeah, it's yeah. also a feminist choice and I do it a lot myself to wear a sari and, yeah. and everything. But it's about an expectation to wear it because you're a married woman yeah and how to me it's shocking that that still hasn't changed today when you see on screen a south indian daughter-in-law versus a south indian girlfriend yes. hero, yeah and the difference between the two and why are we still you have a, literally you have a two hour frame or window frame to put like your ideas in and you've gone like 
it could be the case that in real life a character like her would wear a sari every once in a while would wear like depending on the situation yeah but in that two hour frame you have decided you are going to make her look westernized in the early portions then make her more homely at the end yeah like that's you're already signaling what sort of progression you want because in two hours you said that's how much progress she's made in your life you should probably do that or or like yeah you know you should probably that's the virtuous thing to do yeah but yes also Durva is Danny Danny Urban. Urban. Yeah. yeah I remembered it <laughs> Flying too late. Yeah. great film wish it had more of a you know Agreed. more of a positive narrative when it came to the female character because I thought it was actually scope for having a great female character and I think yeah. they did a semi good job at writing one but then they made her stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like well yeah. you know I don't know I feel like yeah uh directors filmmakers need to sort of change their ways it's we also don't have any female writers exactly yeah because yeah. it's very very like brand. if you look if you think about right okay at least with bollywood somebody started to talk about the casting character issues in bollywood yeah no one's even talking about that about south about regional cinema. yeah they wouldn't but it's dare. rampant yeah it's awful and you can hear it like when you see interviews like okay i watched the making video of rowdy baby right okay yeah yeah. yeah. and you listen to saipa levy talking and she's always referring to danish as danish sir yeah and yeah. all of the girls who are all of the women sorry so vijay sir vijay danish sir, sir. Yeah, yeah yeah so there's already a huge power dynamic there, there. yeah so that's already a problem because they're so revered and you're scared of not revering them yeah. in public. So then when you do that, yeah. it must therefore in the background come with all kinds of problems. Like sexist, yeah. systemically sexist issues. The lyrics of Rowdy Baby is something else. <laughs> For such a viral song. As, as a the... guilt, like this is my guilty feminist moment. Yeah. Love that song. <laughs> <laughs> and I should say, I love item songs in general. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, actually, I wonder whether I always thought like the item song, the quintessential item song, yeah. was the actual antithesis to feminism. But yeah. as I've got older, yeah. I've started to question that notion. Yeah. Because the part of it that makes it sexist is the fact that it's designed for male consumption, sexualizing, and that yeah, it's yeah. so consumed by almost singularly male audience. Yes. But if you then look at some of the lyrics of those songs, yeah. some of the women who decide to dance to those songs, a it's a very empowered choice to make 100%. to be the woman who mm. knows that you will be like seen as quote unquote like less that. virtuous yeah. than someone who's like a good person because yeah. you're dancing to an song but actually if we're gonna like think about mm. women expressing desire yeah some of these 100%. songs are the yeah. only example you see of women yeah. ever expressing desire outside like, of ever- that there are no explicit sexual references no and yeah. actually it's like actually you know what is she because then you see a lot of people mm. like performing to these item songs in like sangeets or whatever. Yeah. And it's the only channel they have mm. of showing female sex appeal yeah. that don't come from the mainstream songs. Because all the mainstream songs are very much like, oh yeah, like David though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's all romantic and yeah. there's no, there's like very little sexual desire mm. associated to it. Mm. So actually something like, yeah. you know, like somebody like Mohamed Khan yeah. to me is an icon now. Right. Where before it was like, oh my god, like item songs are like the worst thing. Or like we think back to like 2011 when the Dirty Picture came out. Yes. That yeah. woman, so like the actual woman who yeah. that film was made about, on, yeah. was so ahead of her time mm. because she knew that she had sex appeal and she was willing to 
make a choice yeah. to capitalize on that yes you then look at the flip side of it as there's so much male consumption of it that like maybe puts women at harm mm. who are on the streets because of the level of victim naming that we have yeah and the level of like oppression we have talking mm. about in, in to me in a way like the fact that south asia is national like capital of porn consumption yeah. shows you there's a repression of these things of course and i think that projects out onto the actual women and like ham- hampers their safety yes i think it's good to have those conversations through mass know. media yeah rather than repressing that mm. so why is it so bad why is it and then you think about the honor part of it mm. it was never the directors or the producers or the heroes and i use the word heroes not actors that worked with silk smither that, yeah you know the item girl yeah whoever got the brunt of anything mm. was always her the burden of honor always, always rested on her shoulders her, yeah. and that continues the burden of honor lies on my shoulders yes when i do something mm. it will never lie on the shoulder of the boy <laughs> if something were to happen of course not. it would lie on me yeah and i'm not talking about i think i'm quite lucky in that if it was like very serious yeah. i think my like parents would always be on my side yeah. but there's a portion of people that would never be able to stop seeing some part of it as being my fault mm-hmm. sex in south asian cultures is yeah that's a whole topic in itself yeah but you but know. like it comes yeah. with honor like yeah. the burden of honor is a very patriarchal thing mm. and it comes all the way back to what we were talking earlier about the arranged marriage system the whole point of that system is to carry forward your mm. honor as a family because mm. you are trying to look for a quote unquote good girl yeah. who will protect the honor of your family going mm. forward and through her progeny mm. like it's so if you think about it it sounds very tribal and like very like archaic mm. But we are, here we are, like, you know, we're still very much propagating those systems and it's still very much alive. And I think growing in some parts of the world, even if it's coming down in Mm. parts of South Asia. Yeah. The film that comes to mind when you say that is um, Drishyam. Yes. Because that's all about revenge porn. And that's, so finally, South Asian cinema have picked a topic which is so real and so happening like in real life in India where it's like um, revenge porn like the guy wouldn't feel any sort of way about putting a video of himself or like um, like him like if he was seen in a sort of vulgar way yeah it wouldn't, wouldn't be an issue it wouldn't be an issue no because that's because not because boys a, will be boys right so, yeah because that yeah. exactly no I, I again now is my turn to say I completely understand I'm speaking speaking from a place of privilege I will never know what it's like to be a woman in a South Asian household. Um, but I can see how bad it is because of stuff like that. Um, where, you know, this man has to kill this boy because he needs to protect his daughter's honour. Yeah. And, like, he needs to bury this kid um, in order to protect his family's honour. And it's like, there is just so such a instilled it's almost as if uh honor is a tangible thing something yeah. that is owned something like gold or like a sari or something of value yeah. that your like your family and it's stash the most away. valuable thing yeah. yeah yeah you stash away in a chest somewhere yeah. and um, it limits every decision you make as a household yeah. it's like oh but what will people think of this yeah oh but i have a certain standing in society and your behavior reflects on that mm-hmm. i've had people colleagues of my parents yeah like see me in public settings and yeah. report back on me to my parents yeah 
I think that's a very common Why is thing that to thing? happen in, in South Asian households. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it means that you just grow up having to be two different people all the time. And that, I think, is where a lot of my issues have come from, definitely. Yeah. So Again, circling back to the therapy thing, a lot yeah. of that was like resolving that idea that you can be yourself and you know you are allowed to make certain choices in your life you don't have to be on edge all the time yeah um yeah is that it's you don't give yourself freedom to make a choice because you feel like somebody else has always had a say in your choices yeah i still don't feel free to make all of my choices but i'm working on it yes and it's and i think that's what it is it's the it's the license to it's given me the license to say i'm working on myself and i'm working on those choices and i have something to vouch for it yeah so yeah. So yeah, I guess update TBD on the next match that I get, the next yeah. checklist that I get. But have you had any come through? I no. haven't. And so it's interesting because, like, I know that for a guy, twenty four is still quite young. Yeah. But that doesn't stop my like extended family. Um, and like I have an aunt. And to be fair, she is definitely doing it out of jest and like knows that it gets up like it grinds my gears so she does it sort of thing but it's like whenever she comes over it's like oh uh you know like when surya starts like when surya has a kid in like two three years or like stuff stuff like that or like you know that i will have to say yes to whoever you bring home or like you know that i will be the one that stamps the approval Mm. on whichever woman you end up marrying sort of thing and it's like okay like because it's not an immediate problem I'm alright to just to let you say yeah Yeah. let you say what you want to say when it becomes a real thing like I do want to you know put my foot down but again it's one of those things like will I maybe will I be able to do that I I, I guess I'll just find out on the day (laughs) on the day oh god (laughs) But this is the thing. The reason I said earlier is I don't want to say that it's down to the boys all the time is because I understand that even boys in these households come with a lot of obligations. It's not that just because you're a boy, you have a blank check. You also come with a lot of assumed expectations. And so I know you Mm -hmm. way better than that faceless boy that I'm thinking about who's coming with the checklist. And I know... what you like that you have been subject to a certain level of expectation Mm. in your life Mm. and actually all this stuff like my uncle met of context like my mum's brothers have all married for love and like have all married out of choice or whatever and they've all been very like outwardly independent people from the get-go and had no issues about that regardless of the repercussions it had on Mm. their parents or whoever because that was the choice they made and they had the agency to make that choice as young men Mm. all right but they expect that everybody's in a position to make that choice. Yeah. So they were like, to me, when I could, and that's the other thing, I can never really talk about all these issues to my family mm. because we have to keep it hush hush like within ourselves. So none of my family know about yeah. these sorts of issues. But when you, even when you hint at it, or like, you know, we have people who have made certain choices and who haven't made certain choices in the way they talk about it. They're like, oh, like if people were brave, they would make the choice. If people had any guts, they would make that choice. They shouldn't care. It's not about guts. Yeah. I ultimately care about how my parents feel mm. and that's it I know it's a choice I'm making yeah I care about them mm. and I know that in the world that I come from my actions have a consequence on their emotions yeah it's hard to not take responsibility for it and I'm working on that side of it but it is a direct consequence of a choice I make I know 
will generate a lot of comments for them from a wider society. Yeah. And it's up to them to say or not say that they don't care about that repercussion yeah. and the priority that it is for them. But I am not in a position where I'm going to run away with the next person I see yeah. because I don't want to do that. And that's not me not being strong. But then this is something I hear a lot. It's like, oh, if people are actually strong, they would just make the choice. Yeah. It's nothing to do with strength, strength I don't yeah. think. But maybe, you know, maybe I'm in an echo chamber. Mm. I don't think it's to do with strength. I think it's to do with nuance. And I think it's people who are like higher EQ, yeah. and I think you are the same, yeah. is you will not look at your decision to choose a life partner as a unilateral decision that you make in your life that yeah. is only to do with you. For sure. It is a decision that impacts your whole family mm. and it impacts how you feel because you have a certain equation with people mm. in your family. Mm. I'm the same. Yeah. Other people that I know who are very close to me, not the same. Mm. They're like, it's my family. Sorry, it's my life. It's yeah. my decision. Mm. And I will choose that person. Yeah. And people have to deal with it. Mm -mm. And it's it's the question of like, I don't get why you're having such a tough time with this. Yeah. It's because maybe, not rightly so, I'm giving a lot of weight to how my family is because I want to go forward and I want to like 30 years down the line yeah. have the same level of comfort with my parents that I do today and I don't want my choice of life partner to happen in such a way that that gets compromised mm. but mm. I still want it to be my choice yeah so it's quite like hard to balance the two I think when I have this sort of discussion I always go back to this one film I watched it's called The Farewell and okay. it's it's not it's not actually a south asian film it's a it's an east asian film mm. it's got um aquafina oh yeah um so essentially it's a story of this girl who is raised in america um and her grandma is ill in china so she goes back to china to visit her grandma um and nobody has told her grandma that she is dying oh, um and so Aquafina's character is like what the hell we need to tell her she might want to say her goodbyes she might have all these things that she wants to do like why are we not telling her that she's going to die and they're sort of saying well in Asian culture we see family as a unit like you're just a small cog in a much wider machine which is the family or community or society whatever um, and it's your job as one of those cogs to carry the burden of your grandma for example or like your parents or whatever um, so I think Asians look at it in general and I, this really resonates with South Asians as well I think we all see our families as a unit and we are just a small part of that one big unit whereas Western society is more individualist like I make my own choice I I do the job that I want. I live in the location that I want. I, you know, you sort of just, once you fly the nest, your life is yours. And your parents are sort of just a, like some... Peripheral. Yeah, unit. peripheral. Or like, in a way, it's like they treat parents the way they treat like friends. You know, go visit them on the weekends, see how they're doing, have a catch up and then carry on with their life. Whereas for us, it's like... Uh, our life is based on our family yeah everything we do like our entire existence is about them yeah so and i think there's merits to i think the beauty of it is i don't think either 
in its entirety is the right way to be yes yeah 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 and i in the sense that i to me my flatmates who i currently live with have not understood why i go back home right. so often same i yeah. love it though i love going home yeah. it's a default for me and if i had my way and if everything could work the way that i wanted it to i would be based at home however being based at home for me comes with a certain limitation of choices yeah. of the independent me yeah and things that i need to do part of it it's nothing to do with like you know convenience of work aside yeah. there are other things that i want to be able to do that yeah. i can't do being at home yeah but if you ask me to pick which of the two I feel most comfortable in, for me, it's going back in home and yeah, being with yeah. my parents. And yeah. it's like, there's nothing weird about that. Because when I was born and raised in India, we lived with my grandparents. Mm. Yeah. And it comes with a lot of merits because I think our parents are very untransactional with right. us yeah. in a lot of ways. They are eternal providers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's not a, like, we've, we're done with you now. So, yeah. you know. And I'm not saying there's no merits to that because there are some merits to it because it's about preparing people to be completely independent and on their own two yeah. feet. But but yeah. I feel still very much a place of like comfort and yeah. being looked after by my parents despite the fact that I'm almost 25. Yeah. It's so the I small think, things. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It, like it, obviously it comes with it's like the flip side is they will always see, see you as a child and not as an adult in your own right. And that's very yeah. difficult for them, I think. But it's almost so right. yeah that that phrase is almost said romantically throughout your childhood like, yes you will always be my child yeah you know my dad says it all the time yes yeah. i hear it too all the time yeah. and my dad always will be like you won't know till you have your own child yeah. what i'm going through that's another one you won't understand why i'm worrying till you have your own child it's like no i understand why you're worrying but i'm also an adult and when you were my age you were moving to this country mm. making a choice that was unconventional for your yeah. family doing things that they didn't necessarily think was the right thing to do mm. but you you did that, but you are not giving me the space to fall and yeah. do my own thing. Yeah. And yeah, you're worried about me all the time. I'm sure your father was worried about you too, but you made the choice yeah. to do a certain thing. Yeah. Like any of our parents who've moved here have not like, they will be some of the first in their families to have made that choice to yeah. move. Yeah. It's a huge choice. Mm. Why is that treated any differently than a choice to marry outside of a culture? Definitely. Yeah. Like, my dad came to the UK in 1986. He was 22 years old. That, like, at that point, he was an adult. Yeah. But he still struggles to see me as an adult. Yeah. At 24. You know? Yeah. And I think he always will. Yeah. Um, it's just that he was given his independence out of necessity. Correct. Versus, yeah. Whereas I have a choice. Yeah. And it's the same. Like, I, and again, again, now I, I take the turn on privileged conversation again because... Yeah. My dad moved here to do his MBA. It's definitely yeah. not the same scenario. Yeah. But he didn't come from that well to do a family. Yeah. Um, so it came with a lot of financial difficulty moving here. Yeah. But he made that choice mm. and he moved here at, you know, at 24. Yeah. Which again, fairly similar age to where I'm at now. So I think, I think yeah. yeah. When you say privilege, I feel like I have to respect anybody who moved from South Asia to here in the time that they did. Because yeah. that was a very difficult time. Yeah. Um, Regardless of... You know, of yeah, it's it's like... I hear so many stories of my dad being like... You know, he'd get stopped on the road. Because Asians were the... Like, they had a target on their backs. Yes. In, in, that, in that sort of two, three decades. Yes, where absolutely. Where they were... They, like, people knew they're new to the country. Or, you know, they struggle with English. They will struggle to find help. 
they they probably carry a lot of cash on them. Or they're coming with advanced degrees and taking jobs. Yeah. 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 So for either reason, yeah. they are just such an easy target. Yeah. And I think also a stereotype thing where Asian cultures are seen as more obedient and more... Uh, submissive. Submissive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not expected to retaliate, yeah. for example. Um, so, you know, my dad would get... Like, if you worked at the corner shop in those days, like, you'd, you'd get uh, sort of attacked or robbed. Like, probably Gosh. once a month, once every two months, you know. Uh, my dad worked at a petrol station for a very long time. Um, similar experiences there. So, yeah, like, when you say privilege, I, I get that your dad, you know, came here for a degree or whatever. But in that time, it was it was difficult either way. Yeah, no, that's yeah. for sure. And, and actually, even going through their careers... I've heard some horror stories about like the corporate racism yeah. that happens in this yeah. country. And yeah. I'm like, obviously I'm not going to take names of, of where or how it happened, but my dad, as recently as 10 years ago, yeah. in a board meeting, was in a situation with a client where the client stood up, pointed a finger and said, I will not have an Indian tell me what decision to make in my business. Wow. And this is 2010, maybe, in yeah. this country. Yeah. So it's it continues to you know there are and you're absolutely right for those people wherever they have come from to have come and built a life from scratch in these countries mm. become taxpayers often in very high tax brackets yeah. Yeah. Um, and do yeah. that I think is yeah. like I I it's it is absolutely fascinating to me yeah. because we have been given a step up from there for sure because you and i integrate a lot more easily yeah into this 100%. culture 100 percent. yeah so um speaking of that film though the farewell and, and the sort of context you mentioned the other and the family unit stuff the mm. other great film that i think does it in a much lighter way mm. is crazy rich asians oh yeah i love such that such a good film i love but that i think film it hits so, so many important points yeah. along the way yeah like yeah like any film like that has its you know shortcomings and yeah. and that's the other thing i think we are very quick as a society to try and look at anything as black and white yeah and not look at the shades of gray and that includes like putting people on a pedestal mm. right like and we could have an entire day's conversation about yeah. this i but love that, I film, thought that film was great i love that yeah. film so much yeah that mahjong scene oh it's so powerful it's crazy good. yeah 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 and the yeah. fact that like and this is the thing like the lead male character who has yeah. such like he's obviously very financially well off and has a lot of financial privilege yeah he also has issues with yeah. family dynamic and it's recognizing that it's like just because somebody has financial privilege it doesn't mean make them immune to you know other issues like Definitely. there's this film in hindi that i think we watched at the bollywood gathering Bill oh love that Do you know film. what i was thinking of that film oh. probably about a good half an hour ago love that film if anyone hasn't watched it please yeah, watch yeah, it yeah. Um, and it got bashed a lot because it was like, oh, like it's rich people complaining about their problems, like yeah. such a like whiny film. It's like no. If you see that film in that light, then you haven't watched the film no. properly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. the fact is, no, despite their yeah. financial wherewithal, yeah. they still have the shit that they have to deal with. Yeah. That yeah. is probably even more silencing in a way because you're you have a lot more public attention. Definitely. Um, yeah. Like the. Priyanka Chopra character and all the crap that she goes through is like it's insane because you see her wearing like little tops and like very revealing clothes and they're all like for the outside world very like pseudo liberal yes yeah but their structures are not that way yeah, yeah. and that is so real literally when you said how uh, 
you worry when you get like proposals or whatever that the guy won't stick up for you i I literally thought of priyanka chopra and her husband character yes i was like that's so it's not like it's done with enough subtlety that you could relate it to characters that you've probably seen around in, in your life but it's done so well to point out like look it, it's not that she has to get slapped in the face for it to be abuse. No. It doesn't have to be like, uh, you know, like even the scene where she gets raped. Um, it's not like a super violent scene. No. It's just her being, feeling like she doesn't have a choice. Yeah. You know. And like technically not consenting to it. Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I love, love that. that I've watched that film probably about three times, yeah. four times. And I was quite sad yeah. on the day we watched it because there were a lot of people yeah. like, I can't keep track of the characters. Yeah. I'm like, oh, please watch it again because like, it's so good. And I've watched that yeah. film countless times and I don't think it gets any less interesting yeah. every time I watch yeah. it. Because there's always like slightly something to see a different angle of. Yeah. Like, n- I will bet my bottom dollar that most people who've seen that scene where she like says that she doesn't want to like sleep with him and yeah. then ends up I bet no one's like there's enough people to have probably not thought about the fact that that's technically marital rape yeah because people, people like, oh, yeah, and even if it. they thought it they wouldn't have said it out loud they yeah. wouldn't have said the word rape to describe no. that scene and I think that's yeah. what's so good about it because it puts you in an, as an audience in an uncomfortable position yeah because when you see it blatantly you're like oh that's so bad yeah but then when you see the shades of grey yeah. like oh shit that's happening yeah and that's wrong but I've seen it happen so much. Yeah. Literally. Like, you wouldn't even have to... You wouldn't have to see that sort of thing happen in real life. There are definitely couples that you've probably seen walking the streets where you're like, that might have happened in their life, you know? And yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah. The first time I watched that film, I was in... Like, so I think there was an exam... Or a final exam, yes. So it was like an AS exam, but it was the last one in in the in the whole lot. And I was like, first thing I want to do, get on a bus, go to Crown Town Centre, watch that film in the cinema, because like I rarely watch Bollywood films in the cinema. Really? Like, yeah, oh. because my parents are like they will only come for a Tamil film. Oh. Okay. Uh, like at the at the time, I had I did have Asian friends, but we we'd go and watch like the commercial film, like. Yeah fast and furious yeah. you know especially at that age yeah this sort we're of we're also trying to fit film. in right yeah, we're yeah, also yeah. like oh, oh 100%. i'm gonna fit in with the lads and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. watch whatever yeah. yeah this wasn't the sort of nuanced film that we choose to go out of the way and watch but i was like this one so and, good um, yeah i also really like the predecessor to that film zindagi namilegi the bar yes that so director in general films. banger after banger yeah but zed and md and dulilakneva fantastic yeah. and faranagda He's oh, always putting he's in. He's the woman's dream. It's when yeah. it's when he's like, "What do you mean you yeah. allowed her to work?" Yeah, right. <laughs> and he's like, oh "When you God. say you allow her to work, you put yourself in a position of authority." It's like, yeah. "Thank you," because yeah. <laughs> I've heard it. Yeah. Like my own cousins, who are like my female cousins, will be like, "Oh, I'm so like I feel so lucky because he lets me, he lets me do that, do we'll X." Do and it's like, "What do you mean he lets you do yeah. X? Why yeah. should?" Was someone letting you do things before? Actually, the answer is yes, because probably the father had that role before. So you've just gone from having one one male control to another another. male control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
But it's so true. It's like as soon as you do that, it's power dynamic. Yeah. And I struggle sometimes because I've internalized it over time. Mm. With in my own equations, I will think that I need approval. Yeah. From somebody. Yeah. I actually don't need it at all. Of course. It's my not. choice. But because of a certain dynamic, I'm like, oh, but like, does that person need to approve that decision? Mm. No, yeah. I don't. You don't. But it's so difficult to get yourself out of that mindset. Yeah. Like to a certain point, I felt like I was, I, I had, I required approval for so many things that past the point, I just searched for it when I didn't need it. Yeah. You know. Because you don't feel yeah. comfortable making a decision until yeah. you have an approval because all your choices have had to be approved Yeah. to date. Yeah. Like my first serious relationship broke down because I wasn't gaining approval from my parents for it. And like, now I look back at that younger self and I, if I could tell him, I would have been like, f- like, you don't need it. You don't need their approval and uh, you not gaining it doesn't make it, doesn't make you any less of a man. It doesn't mean that you should be gaining it or you've done anything wrong. It's just what it is. Yeah. You know? I would like to say though, like before we forget to acknowledge it, um, I am so thrilled and so grateful that A, you decided to do therapy and B, that you decided to talk about it because it's all well and good for somebody like me who's like <laughs> people like generally will perceive that I will talk about this stuff and I feel like in my own social circles and stuff I've mostly had white friends yeah and so it's not been a th- but for you to do it for me it's like it's mm. so good to watch because you're you are in a setting where you are trailblazing that and there's so many people who will sit up and take notice because you're saying something about it mm. versus not saying something about it yeah. and I think don't underestimate you being a role model by doing what you're doing yeah. not just to all of the people who are listening but also continue to do it mm. in your own and I'm, I'm the onus should not be on your shoulders to continue to do it in family settings and stuff because it can come with a lot of like pushback yeah, yeah, yeah. and it has for me oh, like for sure. my same. aunt like called me and she was like please stop talking to my children about mental health <laughs> exact same thing happened to me yeah. so you know it happens yeah. but I would like to say for the record now that it's actually on record mm. I am so thrilled and I feel so genuinely happy from the bottom of my heart that you made that choice and you decided to go through with it and now that you've become an advocate for it because it went from thinking about it to now advocating for it is a whole journey yeah, yeah. um and I'm not going to say much more because I don't want to cry on your podcast but like I'm really going to try and make you cry I'm not I I, I, I was tearing up earlier and so yeah. I switched topics but like Otherwise, it's just such yeah. a it's such a stereotype. Like yeah. people will be like, "Oh, Travani's on the podcast. <laughs> When's she gonna cry?" <laughs> so I don't really want to cry on the podcast, but it's a massive. Like I've said it to you before, and you've seen me cry about it before, so I think that's <laughs> that marks it. But um, talking about people, like I love talking about people that have influenced my life, but you are the reason I ended up going to therapy, and having you there. Um, being the person that I could sort of lean on and the person who is who showed me that website first of all 
um, show me that I can go through with it. Like, I wouldn't have even thought about it. I wouldn't have even thought that therapy was an option. Like, I wouldn't even think that I might need it um, if it hadn't been for you. I think everyone should have a therapist, just like they have yeah. a GP. That's my yeah. firm belief in life. Yeah. People laugh at me for saying that, yeah. but I think it's true. People um, will go to the gym and get a personal trainer before they but go. The, yeah, there. but... um. <laughs> Sorry, I uh, before this becomes a further mutual admiration <laughs> effort. Um, <laughs> We're just gonna go one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would like to say like I don't think many people understood yeah. what I was going through mm-hmm. at the time I was going through it. Yeah. But I don't think I would have got through it if you were not there. Look, it's and I mean that yeah. because not like very few people were actually around mm. and I deliberately didn't share it with everybody Yeah, but you were someone who saw it I think at the worst of it and also the best of it mm. and you know also I think what you'll find is not just for me but for a lot of people they view you as a real well-wisher in their life yeah. um, I hate saying that word because it sounds like you're throwing coins into a well but yeah. it's not the point Like, um, I would just like to say on behalf of like all your friends I think yeah you only have positive vibes coming at you and out of you. And I, please don't stop doing this and don't stop talking about this stuff because there, you never know there might be someone out there yeah. for whom that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. So like you, yeah, I, otherwise this will become a, we have a, we even have a yeah. word for it. It will become like, like our usual WhatsApp chats. <laughs> of, but I love you more. Yeah. Um, I was literally going to say I love you yeah I love yeah. you I love you more <laughs> um, don't worry Arahan <laughs> it's fine I don't he's just cr- he's cringing right he's, now he's crying inside um, but I think it's great and I'm super proud of you for doing this podcast as well and I'm sure it will go to great successes hopefully uh, in the next few yeah. years as yeah. well well thank you for coming on yeah. No, I, I'm coming on to you now. <laughs> Not just uh, the maybe we should, yeah. Maybe we I should, should click the, yeah. Maybe I should click the pause real quick. Yeah. But, um, um, how quick? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not too quick. Um, Good. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, yeah. Thank you for coming on because I've been waiting to have this conversation. No, I'm so glad. Uh, and yeah, you were literally the perfect voice to partner with me on this. So yeah. Well, thank you thank and. You. Yeah, thank you for being you and good luck. I yeah, guess. well, you're gonna be, you're gonna have to come back at some point. Because, <laughs> yeah, this was, this is probably the best session I've had so far. Oh my um, god. Yeah. Oh my god, take that, yeah. Arahan. <laughs> not, not that I've had many, but you definitely, yeah. This is, yeah, this has been a fantastic Kidding, I love you. Yeah. All right, thank okay. You. I think I'm gonna sign off now. Cool. Love you so love much. You uh, thank you for coming on. But yeah. Ooh. I really had to try not to.